0: Last week, uh, I was going to do just a standalone message, uh, kind of getting out of a series before I go into another series, and uh, thank you for sharing with me some of, uh, several folks came up to me afterwards, uh, y'all are in a dry place, you know, everybody's in a desert. <laughs> uh, really, I wasn't surprised, uh, because that's reality. We all pass through the deserts, and deserts have a very significant place in our walk with Christ But uh, the stories that you told me and and shared with me uh, uh, really encouraged me. Uh, And I'd already decided what I was going to preach on this Sunday. I felt like God had already led me that area, and I'm going to stay where He led me to to leave. But all of a sudden, as I was preparing the message this week, I realized this kind of is a mini-series. Because if you remember the last point, uh, we had uh, deserts or uh, places of uh, possibilities and potential and being prepared, and then comes the promise, and do you remember the last P? It's a place of perseverance. And what I want to talk to you this morning about is determination. And I guess that really is a continuing on to help you through that process of when we go through deserts, and sometimes deserts are short treks, and sometimes they're long treks, and sometimes they go on forever and ever, seems like, but God is in them. When when you hear the word determination or perseverance, what what do you think of? What's your definition of determination? That's a question you can respond out loud one at a time, though. Raise your hand. I'm hearing a voice. Okay. Okay. Say it again. Okay. Yes. Okay. Good. Well, determination. Determination. I thought I would start with an inl- illustration. And I like to use people that are dead for illustrations. Uh, young, and when I was younger in my ministry, I, I used a few guys who were alive, and then they messed up later on in life. And I thought, I ain't doing that again. you, know, you know. But this guy's dead, so, I mean, he, he's not going to mess up. Uh, so I can use him. And so I'm going to use a name that... You younger folks, you will have no idea who I'm talking about. But just trust me: this, the, the facts, the stats are true. And and a lot of you my age, older, and, and even younger than me, will remember Tom Landry. Remember Tom Landry of the Dallas Cowboys? You know, wonderful guy, Mister Stoic, would stand on the sidelines. And yeah, and then if he really got excited, he would. Maybe just his hat a little bit. Never took it off, though. He he was a talented guy growing up. In high school, all sorts of athletic accolades came his way. He won all sorts of awards. He went on to play college ball and did extremely well. And And then he was even drafted and went and played in the NFL for a while and had a very successful career. But I was listening to his testimony the other day that he shared during the Billy Graham crusade And during that time, he said, after all of those victories, all those things that everybody said, boy, if you can accomplish this, you have done it. He said, I always walked away feeling empty. He said, nothing ever satisfied. And then his testimony was, but at age 33, I met Jesus. And all of a sudden, the void was filled. And he said, I found satisfaction in daily life. But Tom Landry, who was not effervescent at all, very stoic, very calm, very gentle man on the sidelines, was very, very determined. And he had a strategy, and he finally got his opportunity to become an NFL coach uh, with, the, with the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, his life with the Dallas Cowboys is an illustration of determination. Got a PowerPoint for you, so hopefully it'll come up and it'll play. But the, the first five years of his life with the Dallas Cowboys were, were not easy. If you look, when he started in 1960, he had a great, great start, didn't he? Wouldn't you hate to have been the team that they tied that that year? (laughs) Oh, well, we really did great. We tied the winless uh, Dallas Cowboys. But it goes on for the rest of those first five years. 18 victories, 46 defeats, and four ties. That is not a stellar record. But he was determined to make the Dallas Cowboys a winner. Well, listen to the response from the people and the media. Next slide. Fire him. (laughs) Get rid of him. 1846 and 4. And they were saying, we need someone with enthusiasm, with more creativity. Somebody with a little flair. That's all surface stuff. But he stayed the course He didn't quit. He didn't abandon his strategy. He said, I know, I know I can make this team win. I'll stay with my plan. I'll carry it through. Look what began to happen. Um, The next seven years, typo. That's my typo, not somebody else's. 1965 through 1971. The next seven years, look at his record. Next slide. in '65, uh, he was seven and seven, finally broke out of the losing streak and played 500 ball. The next year, 10, three and one, and they went to the playoffs and immediately lost. The next year, 950-0 went through the playoffs, won a game. Yay, we're going to do it, and then turned around and lost in the next game. The next year. 12-2-0, oh, went to the playoffs, lost again. You can just hear the rumbling of the folks. Man, this guy, he can win regular season, but now he can't win in the playoffs. Then in 69, 11-2-1, went to the playoffs, lost again. But in 1970, things began to change. And they were 10-4, and four, and they went to the playoffs, won twice, became the NFC champions, went to the Super Bowl, and lost, and the next year, 11-3-0, undefeated in the playoffs, Super Bowl champions. That is determination. Look at his accolades through the, the, the whole scope of his career. Next slide. Super Bowl champions in 71 and 78. He had a career record of 250 wins, 162 losses, and six ties. Now remember, a lot of those losses occurred in those first five years. Forty-six of those 62, 162 came in those first five years. Went on, went five NFC championships, went to the Super Bowl five times, and won two of them. Now folks, that's determination. I, I wouldn't want to be an NFL coach. I wouldn't want to be a little league coach. I have been to some of those games that my grandchildren have played in and sometimes parents can be vicious, uh, you know. Uh, It takes determination to work in the athletic field. Just as it does, it takes determination to work in other areas as well. And determination is something that's very, very much needed In our world today as believers. I hear so many people saying. Well I didn't get my way so I quit. I'm out of here. Well, I wanted to see this happen. It didn't happen. So I'm quitting. I'm getting out of here. You know it was nothing unusual when I was growing up as a boy. To watch people go to work at a place. And stay there for their whole life. And now the average person will have four to five totally different careers in their adult lifespan. It just seems like there's not the determination with, with our people today. I thank you for our military people. You, you talk about determination to go and to do what they do and what they have done for us, determination. I want us to look at what Paul had to say about determination. If you will, go to your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're just going to look at two verses. And I want to start, uh, I'm going to read out of my text, out of the e- e- English Standard Version here in a moment. But I want you to see it in a couple of other translations. Now this first one is called the message. And If you know anything about the message, it's not a verse by verse, word by word translation of the scripture. It is Eugene Peterson's Paraphrase of the Scripture. And I don't recommend it as a study version because it's a paraphrase. It's not a translation. But I've been amazed how many times, because I've read through that before, and sometimes he'll state things and I'll go, That's not what the scripture says. He really took that out of whack. And then I went to the scripture and really looked at it and went, Ooh, that is what the scripture says. I'm the one that's whacked out. I didn't understand that scripture as I really began to study it. But look at what he says here, and I'll read for you out of the message. Keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Some of those definitions of determination you all were giving out earlier. Be resolute and love without stopping. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 and 14. Now, Paul, when he wrote this passage of Scripture, and if you'll read chapter 16, you'll see he's wrapping up his first letter to the church at Corinth, and and he's just beginning to want to say, let me give you some final thoughts. Let me wrap this up. And he does that starting in verse 13 and 14. Look at it out of the Amplified Edition, which adds some words for clarification And also another scripture reference. In the Amplified Bible it says. Be alert and on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Your conviction. Respecting man's relationship to God. And divine things. Keeping the trust. And holy fervor. Born of faith and part of it. Act like men. And be courageous. Grow in strength. And then. The uh, author there of the Amplified Bible goes in there, and you might want to look that scripture reference up later, Psalm 31, 24. It goes on to say, Let everything you do be done in love, true love to God and man, as inspired by God's love for us. English Standard Version says it's short, sweet, and simple as well. But I think these two translations help us to get a grip on it. Because out of the English Standard Version it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. And when you look at the context of what Paul has been writing about, and as he begins to wrap this up, In those two verses, he gives five imperatives, five things. He says, don't slack on these. These are things that you're going to need if you're going to keep on keeping on. If you're going to honor Christ with the way you live, here are five imperatives that will help you with that. The first four are spoken from the attitude of a commander standing over his good soldier troops as they're getting ready to go off to battle. And he says, these four things remember. But in verse 14, the tone changes And it's like the commander is speaking to a comrade. A leader among equals. For that fifth imperative about love. Let's look at these five imperatives. Won't take long. They're pretty clear. You've got eyes to see. Let your heart hear what Christ is saying. Be watchful. Literally, he's saying, stay spiritually awake. Folks, it is so easy to drift off to sleep in your walk with Christ day by day. You come, you leave, you never open the Word of God again during the week you fall asleep he says wake up understand what's going on around you I don't know how many times things have begun to happen and they, they catch my attention I say God what are you up to and he begins to show me be alert wake up spiritually be sensitive how the spirit is moving through you, in you, around you. And helping you because you are in a battle. A battle for your life. And he says, be watchful. And then he says, stand firm in the faith. What he's saying is don't compromise. Don't compromise. Stand firm. You have a conviction. You know what it is. Stand strong there. Don't waver from it at all. Don't compromise. All it takes is one little compromise and you begin to lose the battle. Be watchful. Stand firm. And then the third one says, act like men. And all the ladies said, whew, good, I don't have to do that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Because... Remember, this was written in a time when males were extremely dominant. Christ came to correct that to say, ladies have just as much value. When it says act like men, what he's actually saying is have a backbone, be courageous, was a Walmart greeter yesterday not really but I was standing in front of Walmart yesterday uh, with our Civil Air Patrol uh, squadron as we were doing some things in honor of Veterans Day and there was a man who walked up to me that I did not know and he walked right up to me and he said You look like a Baptist. And I said, Well, I am. (laughs) How do I look like a Baptist? He said, Not only do you look like a Baptist, You look like a preaching Baptist. You're a preacher, aren't you? I'm standing there in my flight suit uniform (laughs) I don't think I look like a Baptist. And then he revealed himself. He knew me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I could have said? <clears throat> uh, no, no, sir. I'm with Civil Air Patrol. We're doing things for the veterans. No. Oh. I didn't know what he was going to do to me <laughs> when he said, "You look like a Baptist, and you look like a preaching Baptist." He also told me a story though that he said I really got to you one day in a parking lot because I walked up to you and I said something to you in the effect of you really tick me off and I was anxious to see how you would respond to that and he said you relaxed and you said I'm sorry Tell me about it. And we dealt with it. By the way, he wasn't really ticked off at me. He, he, he was poking fun at me that day in the parking lot. But folks, sometimes you've got to have a backbone because some people are going to come at you. And sometimes they, I have had folks come up to me and say, you really ticked me off, and they were really ticked off. <laughs> Matter of fact, some of you are ticked off at me now. You don't like some of the things I'm doing as, as your interim pastor. But I've got to stand on the Word of God. I've got to say what the Word says. I've got to encourage you to live the Word because of your relationship with Christ. And and guess what? I'm not in this for a popularity contest. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to help you become the people of God that you need to become because God says you need to have a backbone. That you need to be courageous. You need to be alert. Don't fall asleep. You need to stand firm in the faith. You need to act like men and women of God and have a backbone and be courageous. And then he says, and be strong as well. Be strong means steadfast, without wavering. Remember when James talks about if you lack faith, ask of God, but ask without favoring. Don't don't be double-minded. Don't be like like the person driven wherever the waves are taking you in the midst of the storm. He says, be steadfast without wavering. And those are the four imperatives that this commander was telling his troops. Listen, if you're going to go into battle for me, for our country, and God is saying, if you're going to go into battle for me, for the faith, for a relationship with my heavenly Father... I need you to be watchful, to stand firm in the faith, act like men and women of God, have a backbone, have some courage, and be strong. And then the tenor changes, and he becomes a comrade, an equal among equals. And he says, and let all that you do be done in love. When you're watchful, do it in love. When you stand firm in the faith, do it in love. When you act like men and women of God, do it in love. When you are being strong, do it with love. Love ought to be what motivates us. Love ought to be what strengthens us. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples because you have love one to another. But take it a step farther. We are to love those who don't love us. We repay evil with kindness. We live lives of love out there in order to demonstrate what he has done in here in our lives, and we need to be determined to do that for the glory of God. It breaks my heart. Let me let me just be honest with you. It breaks my heart when I hear people say, "Well, I'm sorry, Pastor it didn't it didn't come last Sunday. It was raining, and I just didn't want to get out there and and encounter and, and the weather." I don't think you would say that to your boss. Oh, sorry, I didn't want to come to work today. It's raining. You know? Or, Pastor, I, I, I had a headache. And I just didn't want to come to Bible study this morning. You know? Sometimes we let the little things really take us out of the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. To go someplace and in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the headache, share this testimony. I wouldn't miss this for the world. Because I'm going to worship my Savior. Just like I wouldn't miss going to work because people are counting on me. Let me close with with an illustration. And I'm going to refer to it a little because I want to catch some of his quotes as well. But and let me start with some quotes. This, this is a guy named... His, his name is Nikolai. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's a Russian. He, he was in Russia in the 1970s when the USSR was in power. And, you know, they were an atheist country. They didn't believe in God. And uh, he found himself in jail one time. In, in prison. Matter of fact, he was sentenced because of robbery. He was sentenced to go to prison for 10 years. And while he's in prison, he happens to be in a jail cell where there are some believers. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, what kind of men are these, wondered Nikolai. They show joy while suffering. They sing in very dark hours. When they have a piece of bread, they share it with someone who has none. Morning and evening, they fold their hands and speak to someone whom no one can see. And as they do, their faces shine. Now remember, Nikolai is an atheist. He's not a believer. He's there in prison because he committed robbery. These believers are in prison because they would not renounce their faith. And in communist Russia in those days, that meant a jail sentence. And so one day as he was watching these guys day after day, week after week, he he found a a comfort with them. And so he began to share his story. And he explained how he wound up in prison and everything like that. And, And basically at the end of his story he said, I am a man without a conscience. And I am a man that is lost. I have no purpose these believers who had demonstrated the gospel began to share with him, you may be lost, but we have good news to share with you. And they began to love on Nikolai. They began to share the gospel with Nikolai. Long story short, after a long period of time, Nikolai became a believer. He finished his 10-year term. He was released from prison. And in communist Russia... He had to go underground to worship his Savior. And underground he went. He became involved in the underground church and he worshiped the Father that had rescued him through the shed blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one day when he went to church, the pastor wasn't there. And they said, Where's Pastor? He was arrested yesterday and he was in prison. Because he's a believer. And that bothered Nikolai. But the church began to pray for him. The story goes on to say how they arrested this pastor and they began to torture him and to beat him for the sole purpose of getting the names of his underground church members because they knew if they could get those church members' names, they could go likewise and arrest them. And it would mean literally thousands of members being removed from a local underground church and being put into prison. And after beating this man and torturing this pastor, he would not yield a single name. And finally the commander of the prison said, okay, this isn't working. The pastor, we have another method and we will get the information we want from you. And because they knew about Nikolai, They went and arrested Nikolai. And they brought him in to the area where they were talking with the pastor. And they looked at the pastor and said, We will no longer torture you. We will no longer beat you. We will do it to Nikolai in front of you until you tell us what we need. And they did. Listen to what the pastor said. The pastor says this. The pastor could not endure suffering. Someone suffering for him. And he asked Nikolai. What should I do? Should I reveal the names? And Nikolai said. Be faithful to Jesus. and Do not betray him. I am happy to suffer for the name of Christ. That's determination. Pastor said, okay, did not yield a single name. And the torturer said, we will take it to the next level. Nikolai, we will gouge your eyes out. Pastor, are you ready to let your church member have his eyes gouged out? And the pastor said, Nikolai, Nikolai, what do I do? What do I do? Because if I don't tell them the names, you will lose your sight. And Nikolai said this. When my eyes are taken away from me. I will see more beauty than I see with these eyes. I will see the Savior. You pastor remain faithful to Christ. To the end. Be determined. And they did. Torture Nikolai. And gouged his eyes out Pastor revealed not one name. And then the torturer said, All right, if that's the way you're going to be, Nikolai, we will cut your tongue out to where you can never praise your Jesus again. And the pastor said, What should I do? And Nikolai's response was, Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I have said the highest words that can be said now if you wish you can cut out my tongue they did he bled to death and the pastor told not a single name and protected his congregation folks that story scares me would I do that for you would I protect you if one of you were tortured to protect everybody else listen determination is not easy but all oh, the reward that is there when we say my Jesus my Jesus I love thee and I am determined to stand for you to stay awake for you, to be strong, to have courage, to have a backbone, and to live my life in love. May that be the determination by which we, the people of God, live our lives for His glory. Let me end with a challenge, a simple verse that you know well. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Let us run with determination. The race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and protector, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross he was determined to go to that cross for us and despising the shame and he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God my challenge is you with such a great cloud of witnesses Nikolai is one the pastor of that church is another and there are countless thousands of more That are witnesses surrounding you saying, Keep on keeping on. Be determined. With that kind of a cloud of witness, will you be determined to live for Christ? Let's pray. Father, speak to us today. We have so much freedom. And we're not afraid of the persecution because it's not going on around us. And yet, we really don't live. I don't live with the determination I need to 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 always be there, to always be ready to give a word, to live a life that just reflects your holiness, your character. Lord, do a heart surgery on us this morning do a heart surgery on me this morning father that I will be determined to live for his glory to share his word with the lost and to take whatever blows that come my way in order to bring glory to Jesus and the father Give us the courage to be determined to live for Him. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to sing. It's going to be a time of response. If if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you say, I don't understand what you're talking about, TMAC. Come down and say hey I I don't have this relationship but I'd like to know about this relationship and we'll have people that you can visit with that will show you out of God's word how you can have that relationship maybe you're here today and you say hey I'm not part of this church but I'd like to be part of a church folks we need you we need you we are a local body of believers trying to do the will of God and we need people to join together. To The word says to encourage one another to love and to good deeds. And I encourage you to join the church. To follow him in believers baptism if you've never been baptized. Some of you, he may be speaking to and you say like he did to me when I was 15. T-Mac, I've got a job for you and it's going to cost you the rest of your life. Maybe you just need to say, like I did that morning when I walked down to the preacher and said, I have no idea what this means, but God said he had a job for me to do for the rest of my life and I'm surrendering to vocational service. Little did I know, but boy, I'm glad I responded when the Spirit spoke to me that morning. While we sing, the altar is open, you come. These men are down here to talk with you, to pray with you, to help you any way that they can. You come while we sing.